Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. What a what a great um, what a great uh, thing for us to sing. What a great thing for us to recite. It ought to be the cry of our hearts. Um, you know, our men's group came to a climax the other day in our study. Uh, we have been in the book of Matthew for three years, all right? Uh, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what that says about uh, us, <laughs> uh, whether we're just slow or whether we just kind of uh, took a slow crawl and, 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 and really got into the book. But uh, that's three years with our breaks uh, through the summer or maybe the winter time. But three years we, we stayed after it. And uh, when you get to the end of the book of Matthew, it's well worth it. Uh, Matthew does a great job uh, painting the picture there of, of, of Jesus. Uh, he started out with Jesus there as an infant. And uh, we saw Jesus grow and we saw him being led by his parents. And we saw him uh, 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 grow in uh, to the man that ended up receiving all the power on heaven and on earth. Uh, as we begin to close it there, um, as we were singing that song, I, I, I remembered the, the ladies who run back to the tomb on that Sunday morning. They were going back to finish the job uh, or wanted to complete maybe uh, their love and continue their love for Jesus and ministry to Jesus, even Jesus' body, uh, not knowing that the tomb had been sealed. Maybe they did, I don't know. Maybe they just needed to be close uh, to Jesus again. And, and, and uh, the Scriptures tells us uh, that so the women hurried away from the tomb. Why? Well, Jesus was not there. They met the angels who said, Jesus is not here. Come in and look. Look for yourself. He's gone. The grave clothes laid there. Jesus has risen. And they hurried away. It says, filled with joy. They ran. Greetings. Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came and they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And I was thinking about that. I thought, oh my gosh. I'd like to have been on the road to Galilee. Galilee is where we need to go. Galilee is the road we need to travel. Why? Because that's where we see Jesus. And I begin to think about that. I begin to think about even when, when the disciples, you get down to verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, 
Why? Because that's where Jesus told them to go. They went to the mountain. They had already learned, let's, let's, let's be obedient to the Father. We need to be obedient because it's when we're obedient to the Father that, that God shows up, that Jesus shows up. That's where we see Jesus. And sure enough, it says when they saw him, what'd they do? They worshiped him. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Open my eyes, Lord, so that I can see you so that we can worship you. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus these days, guys. I was thinking about, Lord, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to preach on? I couldn't get out of my mind this back to better. We're coming back to better. Two years has, has really taken a hit on the church, the church at large. It's taken a hit on our nation. It's taken a hit on our businesses. It's taken a hit on our families. But it's definitely taken its hit on the church of Jesus Christ, on God's family. It's taken a hit. I begin to continue to read there in 28 and, and Jesus greets them and, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the great commission. And it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we hear of the Great Commission, I mean, immediately we jump to therefore go. And go, 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 go. And that seems to be the first thing we think about when we think about the Great Commission. We're to go. We're to leave home. We're to go and do. But we can't pass up that, can't pass up that, 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 that verse before, that article before there, therefore, we have to look backwards. It's there for a reason. Look back. And, and Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has the right and the power to tell us to go, to command us to go. This is not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment. <laughs> How did Jesus get this power from the infancy uh, uh, to being led and, and taken care of by his parents to, to grow up and to be given all of this power. And how does he have the right to tell me to go? To go and to proclaim his name and his work and that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe that we, we have to look at, we have to look at uh, uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 Philippians chapter 2, and it says about Christ, it says uh, in five, uh, verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in the likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus Christ humbled himself. 
He loved the Father. He knew the will of the Father. And it says here, he humbled himself and became obedient and obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ was always obedient to the Father. Always. That's how he got through the... So he got through all of the temptations in the desert. He understood the will of the Father, and he, he, he knew the love of the Father. And he was obedient. And it was because of his obedience. Read on in verse 9. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name above every name, that being the name of Lord Jesus. Lord, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's how he got the authority to command us to go, to command us to teach, to command us to baptize, to command us to be obedient to everything that he has taught us. That's never left my mind. And I said, God, do you want me to teach on this? God, is this, is this where you're at? And it wasn't. I thought, you know, as more I read this, the more that God directed me to Acts 2. And I thought, here we are. We're coming back to better, Lord. We want to be better. We need to be better. We have got to be better. Not better sake for Crossridge's sake, but for God's sake. God's reputation, Jesus' reputation is at stake and we live in a lost and dying world and a broken world that needs to know that we serve a God who loves us. We serve a God that, that, that gave us a way, that supplied a way for us to have relationship with Him. So I begin to read Acts 2. I begin to think back to better, back to better. I begin to remember, I want to see you, Jesus. I want Jesus to show up. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better church member. I want to be a better child of God. I want to be a better pastor. I want to see Jesus. I hope and pray that that's what you want. As being part of the family of God. You know, the other day we delivered our goodie bags to the police department. I can't tell you what a blessing that was. What a blessing to hand a bag with Gatorade and beef jerky and gum and mints and I don't know what else was in there. Tomes. Uh, I don't know, just something to make their day or night better. A gift card to racetrack. But it was filled with love. And it said, I care about you. And we love you because Jesus loves you. And we just want to make a difference in your morning in your day. Never know how to feel 
about all of this, whether you do the right thing, whether it was enough. Uh, you know, God lays something on your heart. You just are obedient. All of the department came down into the lobby. People were paying their water bills. People were uh, dealing with their court issues uh, there. But they got to see the entire police department come down in the administration. And our pastor was able to share why we do what we do. And, and we were able to pray over them right there in that lobby out loud, in front of everybody. And you feel good about what you do, but you really don't know what God has done or is doing or will do just from your obedience and from loving one another. Later we got, or I got this email and I shared it with our staff and I replied back and I said, do you mind if I share this with our congregation? And Lucy said, no, I don't mind. Share away. It's not much. But it says there that this is my favorite part of the goodie bags that Crossridge Church provided us. And at the bottom of her email, she had scanned the pictures where one of our little children from Children's Church James had colored a picture and he sent his picture a card that was written by the members here and she said and she had both of those there and she said this is my favorite part and she said you'll never know how much this drawing and this note means to me today did not start out <clears throat> to be a good day and then Jesus showed himself he showed himself to my issues and all is right with my world just like that I cannot write, wrap my brain around how much grace that I'm shown by the people I work with, by the people at CRC, by David, Karen, James, but mostly by my Savior. It's daily that I am blessed. Thank you for all you do. And all your congregation does for us and me. Lucy Gonzalez, Little Lamb Police Department. Uh, that, that's what happens when Jesus shows up. That's what happens when you are, you are uh, obedient. Thank you, my friend. Uh, I've read that a hundred times and it never hit me that way until being here this morning. You see, I want to be a person that makes a difference. I want a church to be a church that makes a difference. A difference in the lives of others. 
The more I begin to look at this and the more I begin to read this scripture, being a child of God is about others. Being a child of God and, and, and life is about relationships. So I turned to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. I began to think about relationships. I began to think about church life. And I began to see that what was taking place here was, was that God was creating, creating a new community. And that was a community of faith. And that's where we are now. That's where we live at. We live in this community of faith. And you and I were created for community. We're created in the image of God. God and the Holy Spirit and, and, and Jesus lived in perfect harmony together with one another. All in obedience to the Father's will. Perfect community. And being image Bearers of God, we need to be in community. We crave community. Rick Warren, uh, I, I saw a quote of Rick Warren had about community. And it says, we are created for community, fashioned for fellowship, formed for a family, and none of us can fulfill God's purpose by ourselves. You might want to snap a picture of that. You may want to read that again. That may need to be something you put up on your, your mirror each day. We're created for community. We're fashioned for fellowship. And we're formed for a family. And none of us can fulfill God's purposes by ourselves. So much truth in that. And I see that when I... When I think about that great commission, when I think about what God has commanded us, therefore go and make disciples. I know he's speaking to the apostles. Some people say, well, he, he spoke that to the apostles. He didn't speak that to us. Oh, you're mistaken. He says, go and make disciples. That was the command for them. They were to go and to make disciples. And what is the disciples' job to do? The disciples' job is to go and make disciples. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? We are to be disciple makers as children of God. And that takes more than just getting up and coming to a worship service. It takes more than just possibly tuning in online and being part of a streaming service and watching a message. There's so much more in live sharing than there is in live streaming. But I'm thankful that we have the technology to do that and to reach those who can't get here. But the last two years of our life has caused our thinking to be warped in so many different ways. We need to remember why God has left us and what our job is. And that is to go and make disciples. Baptizing them and teaching them. All that Jesus commanded us. So when we look at how they done it. I begin to look at Acts 42. 
chapter 2 and 42. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves. That means they, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They cleared their schedules. It was, it was what was most important. It took priority over anything else in their lives at that time. They devoted themselves. They were committed to the teaching of Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship. They were committed to the church. They were committed to the work of the church. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, maybe pre-COVID and, and, and things are even different now, but sometimes we would even get so busy in the church doing church work, we forgot what the work of the church was. It was always the tyranny of the urgent that, 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 that took our attention, that got our attention. And we have moved away in so many small ways from just exactly what God has called us to do. I thank God that we have a pastor who is passionate about God's Word, who is passionate about teaching and seeing others uh, growing and maturing in Christ. You'll hear here that we're, we need to give, grow, and go. You'll see that in, in, in these verses here. It, it, it's to learn, to live, and to love. And it's about caring. And it's about one another. And that's what we need to get back to as we get back to better. And it's going to take all of us making this commitment. They devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That breaking of bread uh, uh, was, was that, that, that Lord's Supper, uh, that Last Supper, that, that, that time when they, they put their attention upon what Jesus had done for us. That God had sent His Son to give His life for you and me. That was God's plan that His Son would come and that He would die on that rugged cross. And He would do it for you and for me to provide salvation and a way to have relationship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father. The breaking of bread. It was at the forefront of their mind. And they did this daily. And they would pray. They would have that time of prayer. They would speak and talk and commune with God. Daily. And it said everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. You see, they did these things so that others would see the power, so that others would know that Jesus Christ lived and that, that Jesus Christ was the answer and that they would believe and that they would come into the fold and come to the family. God has left it up to us. Jesus says that it's, it's you now that will go out. You will do even more things than I have done. 
But yet we do it. How? We do it by the way that we love one another. We do it by the way that we love others. We do it as we're obedient to God the Father. Verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God is faithful. We just need to be obedient. We just need to live in the way that God is calling us to live. And we need to, we need to live in the way that they were living. We can, we, can, we can take examples from what was happening and how they were doing these things here. Every one of you know that I give direction to our small groups you all know that I, I continually invite you, encourage you to take advantage of these small groups. And that's exactly, that's exactly how they took the message out. That's exactly how they grew. That's exactly how they made disciples. This is where the disciples were made. This is still where disciples, disciples are made and formed and fashioned and, 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 and then sent out and, and even sent out while we're doing it. But small groups are where we need to be. You, you see, the last time that I'd give a message, we were talking about the decline in church attendance and the reasons for it. And what was happening to our world? We need to strengthen the church. We need to get back together. It's clear as we read this description here that the early church, that they, they experienced, they experienced a... Uh, uh, for the lack of a better word, this camaraderie, all right? We all crave that, this camaraderie. And, 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 and there's many things that we do because we like the camaraderie there. I can remember going to the car shows when I was, when I was into that, all right? It, I, love, I love being there with those people. What was it? It was the camaraderie. It was the, the oneness there, the unity that everybody had together. You know what it is. You've got that group somewhere, whether it's your, 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 your card-playing group or, or, or golfing buddies, uh, fishing buddies. Uh, I don't know what it is. Gym people, whatever it is. You know you've got it. We all have it. We crave it. We want it. We need it. But what we truly need is that community of one another as, as, as children of God, as people of God. And that's what they had there. They had that that, that, that they was able to experience that, that fellowship and that unity and that oneness and most importantly that community. 
Well, this community came about, uh, I think it came out primarily through their participation in worship and in these small groups. They participated in worship. They didn't just go and see worship or hear worship. They participated in worship. I long for the day as a pastor and as part of our church when I can hear you, the congregation, singing louder than the ones leading us in worship and, and, and singing our praises to God and, and, and meaning and, and, and feeling uh, those, those, those words and, and, and those praises and those hymns that we, we can sing, whatever it may be, we sing it from the heart. God, open my eyes. Why? So that I can see you. There's nothing better than seeing God, guys. Nothing better. I long for that day when we all together participate in worship. Worship doesn't start when we get here and the music starts. Worship starts when you eyes open up in the morning, when your feet hit the ground. We need to begin worshiping. They worshiped every single day of the week. We need to worship Monday morning just like we did Sunday morning. And they, they took advantage of the small groups you see, it was clear that small groups were the primary vehicle in which community was developed and experienced here in this early church. I know Peter went out, the, the disciples and all, they scattered and, and, and didn't even go to the crucifixion. We know the ladies were there. John may have been there in a the distance, and, 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 but the others were gone. It wasn't after till the resurrection it wasn't after till the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received the power that they got up and they became bold. Peter went out and he said, it was you who crucified Christ. And when he got through with his message, it said they added 3,000 to the church that day. What a day that must have been. Oh my goodness. They had to figure it out. Small groups were the way to figure it out. Small groups were the, how they began to teach, how they began to make disciples, begin to meet in homes. We do that. We encourage that. And I'm telling you, it's a sweet, sweet, sweet fellowship. And to come worship and to not be part of a small group and to not be part of a Bible study and to not be part of the children of God and the people of God, we're settling for less. And we've got our eyes fixed on the world and the things of the world and the pleasures that it has to offer. And we need to get our eyes focused back on God. And we need to come back together as the people of God and the children of God. Acts 5 42 says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching or preaching the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Every day of the week, they never stopped. No wonder we've gotten behind. No wonder the church doesn't have the pull and the importance into our world the way it used to. 
Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets in at their house. Corinthians 16, Colossians 4:15. Please give my greetings to our brothers at Laodicea and Nymphia, Nymphia and the church in her house. Making disciples. The Bible's very clear about how God intended for his people to grow and to have their needs met in the church. We'll never be able to hire enough pastors. We'll never be able to hire enough staff members to meet all of the individual needs of our church family. But God never intended it to be that way. You see, what God's plan is, is as we meet in small groups, we develop and we experience that kind of community. We experience that kind of oneness that, that will provide the means for us to do what? To care for one another and to encourage one another to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. There's several things that, that, that groups can do and, 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 and that... that uh, if you're meeting in a small group, uh, they, do, they do several things that, that help develop that sense of, of community. And, but it's only by participating. You have to participate in order to experience this community. Number one, we experience a community by connecting with God and with one another. This is the greatest thing of all, to connecting with God. I'm not sure what's better than that. I'm not sure what ranks up with connecting with God. I know there's plenty of things that we have to do. We're obligated to do other things with our family or within our families or, or whatever the case may be. But I'm telling you, if you had opportunity to connect with God, with God's people, we need to do that. We need to do that. They had devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know, Mark 12, 29 through 31 says, the most important one, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law were trying to trick Jesus here, were trying to get him to, to, to say something where they can uh, uh, condemn him and, 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 and make an argument of, 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 of killing him and trapping him is what they wanted to do. And they said, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How did so many other things get in between us and our God? There's no better way to grow in your connection with God than to be part of a group who wants to grow and who is committed in their growth uh, and their connection with God. When you're with a group like that, those believers will certainly encourage one another. Encourage you how? To be all you can be for God. You see, as I was studying, I came upon that Greek word, aleleon. Probably not pronouncing it correctly. I'm, I'm, I didn't take Greek. 
I love to study it when I find it here, find the true meaning of it. But this aleleon is, is, is a word uh, for one another. It, it, it's a word that uh, carries a reciprocal and a mutual work on the part of the believers toward one another. Someone much smarter than me said it occurred 58 times in the New Testament, excluding the Gospels. Others say it's a hundred times it's within the New Testament. That's a pretty important word, I would figure. Pretty important word. You see, God's word is, is full of admonitions here that concerning how that we are to relate to one another. And the majority of which are best fulfilled in the context of small groups, Bible studies, life teams, uh, serving with a group. Uh, that's, that's, that's where we can uh, fulfill that. That's where one another's uh, uh, can be done. I had heard one man say, our one anothering one another needs working on. And I believe that. You see, God uses these small group uh, community to transform us. I don't know about you, but that's what I desire. I desire to be transformed by God. God worked in my life through Sunday school, and I'm a huge fan of Sunday morning on campus life teams. And, and, and we offer that here because that's what God used to transform me. And so I'm encouraging people to get involved in Sunday morning Bible study. There's a place for you. There's a chair for you. There's a teacher who has studied and is prepared to teach God's Word to you so that you can, you can, you can learn and so that you can be with one another and so that you can grow in your knowledge of Christ. You see, God's transforming lives through that. I used to sit in the men's group years and years ago, just when I began to come to Sunday school. Wasn't participating. I just sat there. But I'm glad I went. I'm glad I sat there. Because I began to hear the questions these men were asking about the scriptures and about the lesson. And I began to hear their illustrations that were there. And I began to look at these men and I say, God, how do you become one of those men? They seemed like they walked with God. They camped with Moses. They walked with Abraham. Uh, how do you do that? And I found out how you do that. You don't stop. You don't give up. You continue going. You continue meeting. You continue setting under those teachers so that God can transform you. We all need transforming. You ever notice how... Patient you are when you're, long as you're, um, long as no one's getting on your nerves, <laughs> right? How loving you are, long as you're surrounded by people that uh, are easy to love. How humble you are, as long as you're around people that respect and admire you. Every one of us, guys, are, are a saint in isolation. In the last two years, we've been isolated. In the last two years, we've isolated ourselves more from God's people, God's house, and God's word than we ever have. 
And I'm telling you, we're paying the price for it. And it's not us that's paying the price. It is our children and it's our communities that are paying the price. We need to be back to better. It's in community that, 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 that our weaknesses are revealed. It's where our flaws and our sins sometimes are exposed. Maybe not out privately, maybe publicly. But God does that. He has a way of doing that when we set before His Word. When we set before truth. When we try to be obedient to God. You see, community is not essential for the believer. I mean, it's not optional, it's essential. That's where transformation takes place. We can't become the people that God wants us to become outside of community. See, salvation, when somebody comes to the Lord, salvation's not the end of that story. That's the beginning, guys. It's not the end. It wasn't the end of yours, it's not the end of theirs. First Peter, second Peter says, New heavens and earth. A new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's what God is preparing for you and preparing for me. God's goal is, is a renewed and a restored creation where redeemed people live in perfect harmony with each other and with the Creator. You see, God is out to prepare His people for this glorious future by transforming us now. It's a process that the Bible calls sanctification. How long has it been since we've heard that word? Sanctification. The agent of sanctification is the Holy Spirit. The tool of sanctification is the truth of the gospel. And the context there in sanctification is community of one another. Telling you, God's used many of you to help me in my walk with Christ. I can't tell you how much I'm appreciative to those men on Thursday mornings. Their faithfulness. They come and they share, and I have learned and I have grown because of them. Thank you. Thank you to my life team. You made a difference in my life. Thank you. We've got to consider some of these one another statements that are in the Bible. I'll just read through these real fast. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another in love. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Accept or welcome one another. Be patient with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Forgive one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. Serve one another. Speak truth in love to one another. Teach one another. There's a lot more. Isn't it obvious that none of us can do these things alone and can do them perfectly? That's obvious, isn't it? Commands aren't given to us so that we'll know what we should do. 
They're given to us so that we, we can try to do them. We can be obedient to them, but we fail a lot of times. And when we fail, we grow. And, and, and we grow then in our experience of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, of others' forgiveness. When we try to fulfill uh, these commands, these one another commands, it helps to reveal sin in our lives. And it drives us to Jesus in repentance and faith. And it causes us to depend upon the Holy Spirit for transformation. You see, there's reasons behind the madness. There's, there's a method to it. Community is learning grounds. It's the learning grounds in which we learn to rely upon God's grace and to experience the gospel tra transformation and the gospel's power together. Second thing is, is by growing in Christ with maturity. We experience community when we grow in Christ and when we mature in Christ. I've known people outside of this church and inside of this church that is the same person and they've done the same year of faith for 20 years. They have not grown in their faith. They have not matured in their faith. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. You know, we said under a pastor that, that, that oh man, that, <clears throat> that preaches and teaches fast, like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Uh, and, and you may have been here, you may have been somewhere else when you, you, you've listened to a teacher or a pastor and you just wanted to stop that person and say, hey, oh, oh, time out, hold on. What about this or what about that? Or I didn't understand this for a moment. Can we back up just a little bit? You know, if that's you, and I can tell you right now, small group's for you. That's, 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 that's what we do. That's how it works. When you're in that small group, when you're in that Bible study, I learned in that men's group that I could stop and that they would, they would help me. And I thank the Lord for that. Preaching is biblical activity, right? Salvation comes by hearing. Hearing comes by teaching and preaching. So we need, to, we need preachers. The word even says that the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Because it's a work that is needed, that is worthy. Preaching is only one way communication. You listen while the preacher preaches. And it's fine for sharing information. It's good for giving exhortation. It's good for providing inspiration. But it is not as effective as a personal application in small group. Doesn't mean that God doesn't speak to us. I hope God speaks to you this morning here. I hope that you are to carry something away that is positive, that you can apply to your life. And God changes you 
But it's in that small group with one another when we can really dig in and we can put our arms around one another and we can get close to one another there and we can teach and we can understand it in a way that we need to. You see, we, you can ask questions, you participate in discussion, you hear and share insights into the illustrations of the truth that you're trying to grasp. I was reminded of the Scripture by Ephesians, chapter 3, verse, verses 14 uh, through 19, I'll read, uh, mainly 18 and 19. But this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And uh, he says, For this reason I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth drives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of Christ now here's Paul saying I pray that you'll be able to know something that's unknowable I want you to know the love of Christ the true love of Christ but he said it surpasses all knowledge. Well, Paul, how can that be? How are we supposed to know something that's unknowable, Paul? And I believe Paul gave us the answer right there in the Scriptures, right above that. I believe it comes in uh, right there in verse 18. How do we know the, the depth of God's love? How do we do that? Verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend it with all of the saints. I think the answer's right there. You're able to understand it with the help of others. And you can comprehend it with the help of others. That's what takes place in these small groups. God didn't give any one person everything they need to know to, to fulfill that mission of loving others and being the disciple they need to be. I only know what God has revealed to me in my experience. And as I sat into my small group with my other Folks, they share their illustrations just like them older gentlemen did. And I begin to see what God looks like in their life. How God came through in their life. How God showed himself to Miss Lucy on that day and took care of her issues and her problems. And I begin to see the fullness of God filled in through their experiences. And that's how you get, and that's what you get from small groups and from Bible studies and others. We get the fullness of Christ. That you may be filled to the fullness, the palerma of God, the fullness of God. And I'm telling you, guy, when you get a taste of that, you don't want nothing else. That is what we want. That's what we desire. Not only for ourselves, but for others. I know my time is running short. I'm not going to make it through all of these points. But you can see the importance and the, and, the, and the reason that small groups are effective. And I hope and pray as you look at coming back to better with us. We started that only for our Sunday school, only for our children's ministry. 
But it's much deeper than that, guys. We need to come back as God's people better. We need to be about the commission that God left us to be about. To make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. I hope and pray that in September, when we kick our small groups back off, that I have to enlist four to five, 10 or 12, 20 other small group leaders. Because God has made it clear to you, I need to be sitting under the teaching of the Word of God every chance and opportunity I get so that in my world outside of the church that I can be faithful and that I can be obedient to what God is calling me to do. I'm telling you, there's no more beautiful thing on this earth than the church when it's operating in the way that God created it to operate. I hope and pray that you'll pray about it. I hope and pray that you'll find a way to serve your church body. I hope and pray that you'll make time to commitment to a small group. If you're not part of a small group, why not? And if not now, when? Telling you guys, our world is falling apart. And there are those that are dying without Christ. We need to be obedient to the Lord. And we need to learn God's Word so that we can go and proclaim to a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. While you and I were still sinners, God died for you and I. And He died for those outside of God's family. And I'm telling you, you read John 13, 34 and 35, and it'll tell you a new, uh, a new command I give you, and that's to love one another. And if you love one another <laughs> the way I commanded you, then others will know you're my disciples. What that is, is that's the churches. That's, 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 our, that's our message to the world. That's our apologetics to the world. It's how we love one another in the church that causes that love to go outside. Share with them the God that loves them. You may be here this morning. You may not even be part of the community of faith. You may need to say, John, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you and you feel that need, that means God's working in your life right now. Don't run from it. Run to it. Cry out to God. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. I see that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I trust your work, your work on the cross to save me. And I surrender my life to you. If that's you, you pray that prayer, you come forward, you stand before the world and everybody today and say, I'm a child of God. I've surrendered my life to the Lord. And I believe that Jesus Christ is who he was and he did what he said he did and he can save me. If that's you, you come forward. Our praise team will come up now. They will. 
lead us in this invitation. You guys know that God's word has been spoken. God's word always demands a response. How will you respond this morning? You pray about September. You pray about, you don't have to wait to September. You can resolve that now, this week. Say, John, put me down. John, remind me in September. Give me a call. I want to be part of what God's doing. I want to grow. You need prayer, you come up. We'll pray with you. We'll pray over you. We'll pray for you. These gentlemen would like to even show you in the Gospels how you can be a child of God. Let's stand as they lead. You be obedient, because that's where you see God. You come.